Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Do you know you can now win prizes such as a Starbucks gift card, Concord tickets, or car swag for being the first to answer an entertaining trivia question? Get the weekly trivia question by following me on Instagram or Facebook at The Collector Car Podcast and just DM me your answer. The first person with the correct answer wins. Also, as a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley with the Collector Car Podcast. Today we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff, all about BMWs. I'm going to start with Travis Scott's BMW E30 M3 that's been trending on social media. Uh, we'll also go into Paul Walker's collection that was recently sold at auction, including five lightweights. And we're going to review all the BMWs, or most of the BMWs, coming up for sale at Amelia Island in a week and a half or so with the BMW expert Eric Keller from Enthusiast Auto Group, who has bought and sold many of these cars that are coming up for auction. So, Eric, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's awesome. So we're having a situation where more BMWs are coming to auction at one time than ever, correct? Uh, I've not seen this many BMWs come at one centralized, you know, public auction, you know, on a Concours weekend since. Amelia had one uh, four or five years ago that uh, was, you know, a dozen, maybe 15, but there were a lot uh, older cars overall in terms of average. So as far as this many young timer cars where we've got, you know, cars that are just a couple years old hitting uh, the public venue is something I've not seen before and and quite excited to participate in and meet everybody down there. So we're we're heading down there on uh, Wednesday and uh, quite excited to see how this all shakes out because first time kind of thing. So it should be a should be quite fun. Yeah, and this is really cool for me because we've been trying to coordinate getting together for a while now, probably a year and a half or so. And yeah. This has been a great time to get together and finally put this thing together. Just a great weekend to review a bunch of BMWs, which we'll do today. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be quite an exciting uh, uh, show and I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's start off with one of your former cars, Travis Scott's BMW that I mentioned earlier, could you give me an overview of what happened on that car? And I'm a huge fan of Spike Ferriston's podcast, which is where I heard about it. So if you could, could you just kind of give us that whole story and your uh, thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, I kind of heard like everybody else did in uh, the <laughs> podcast. And uh, Zuckerman and I, uh, we've done you know quite a few deals over the years. And um, you know most of his BMWs um, in recent time have come through the EAG program. And uh, he's uh, also, I mean, his first car he bought from us, the first time I ever talked to him, uh, it was almost after hours, and, uh, hey, I'm calling about an M5. I'm like, uh, <laughs> what? And uh, long story short, I mean, uh, he called on a car that wasn't for sale in our collection and didn't let me off the phone until he owned it and made an offer that we literally just <laughs> couldn't refuse. Um, and actually, I might as well just tell the story because it's frankly pretty hilarious. Sure. And, uh uh, it was a 2003 white on black M5 that was in the EAG collection that we'd had maybe six months, and I probably spent 30, 40 hours trying to convince the original owner to sell the car to us. Once he reached out to us saying, I want to sell the car, and then right. he went the other way around and <laughs> tucked tail when the, the reality set in that uh, he might uh, you know, have his family member uh, separated from him. Um, and it was a really special car. It was the nicest E39 M5 that I had seen in that color combination, which is a white-black 
hard to beat in a final year model year you know oh uh one owner car so uh i'll give you 70 grand for the car and i mean at the time this is 2013 right seventy thousand dollars on a 2003 m5 was like mind-blowing right I mean, that was way beyond what the market was doing granted the car had ten thousand miles it was virtually perfect right and uh I'm like, thank you, sir, but you know, I, 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 I just can't do it. I'm not going to find another one of these. I haven't since. Right. And he's like, 75 grand, last and final. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I've only talked to this guy four minutes, and he's given me 75 grand to offer on on this car that's not for sale. And I, 2013, I had like 27 M5s in stock, E39s. Okay. I mean, yeah. So it was, you know, at the any height, other one you can take it, right? at the height of the E39 supply chain, and the market is just starting to tra- transition and start appreciating at the bottom of the bell curve. Right. And uh, a light bulb went off, and I'm like, I have 27 M5s. <laughs> um, <laughs> immediately flashed back to the first E28 M5 that we sold uh, for MSRP, pretty much 45 and change um, back in like 2009. And at that point, that was kind of the bottom, and, and the market started going up on those. And you know, it's uh, it was an interesting idea that you know, if I hit uh, seventy five grand, was about MSRP on that white M five, a little bit over. So if I say yes, and that goes down, then maybe that's a sign the market's going to change. If the market changes with twenty seven of these cars, You're in good shape. <laughs> uh, I, I think I probably better for the business. Uh, you know, uh, short term loss for long term gain. Right. And uh, I sold the car to him and. Uh, the coolest part about it is I bought it back from him 7,000 miles later, three years later, put it through the program, sold it again, bought it back from that guy, put it through the program, put some dining stuff on it for that, that guy. He'd had like 10 M5s down in Mississippi, uh, Dr. Marks, and uh, bought it back from him. And then Zuckerman sees it on our website with 20,000 miles and says, Here, <laughs> is, that my old fat? is that my old M5? Right. Hey, Paul. <laughs> yeah? It's like, I want it back. I miss it. <laughs> so I was like, what, two years ago? And so he buys his old M5 back from us. And a uh, long way to get to the, the Travis Scott part of the story. Um, but, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, Matt Farah just did a video on that white M5 today. The exact car. Uh, uh, so check out uh, The Smoking Tire. The Smoking Tire, yep. Yeah, Big his, fan. His yep. podcast. Uh, they just did a nice little drive video. But so different Alpine white M car that we sold, Paul, was this Alpine white on Cardinal 8,000-mile beauty that was also part of our collection. So this was after that fact. Oh, so, that hurts even so more. So that's why the M5 story has to come <laughs> first because that, that's my intro to Paul. So Paul now thinks he's got me in his pocket that he can just buy anything out of our collection because he's you know, <laughs> who he is. And, and uh, we do have a good relationship, and, and I, I do enjoy working with him, and, and we've uh, certainly had a lot of good conversations over the years. But definitely an enthusiast, and he drives his cars, which is great. He's just not putting them in a bubble. Right. So uh, uh, I hear on the podcast, like everybody else, that uh, Paul has uh, succumbed to the money. <laughs> and he's had it off money he's had it off or he can't refuse right right you've <laughs> been there yeah. I, I have been there I, I i so yeah so i guess the tables got turned on him and um in this case it worked out in his favor because uh apparently he uh, had a nice little windfall on that car um, we sold it it was a pretty close to a high water mark if not even a high water mark i don't now this is 8300 original miles unrestored gorgeous m3 correct that i had owned for two years in our collection it was one of the nicest ones we've ever it wasn't on the showroom floor for sale it was in your collection it was not for sale right not for sale okay so he pays me a boatload of money for that one too right and uh then sells sells it for a boatload plus probably another boat load 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what does Travis Scott do with this pristine 8,300 mile M3 car? I don't think you have to Google it very hard to find, <laughs> uh, given that they've already made a Matchbox diecast uh, as a tribute. But uh, it's my understanding that it became kind of an album poster car for um, uh, his next album. And, and then I guess I, I had a Google alert pop up in December. I didn't think anything of it, but I see a picture of this white rally-inspired E30 M3 with all this painted uh, stripes. And it, I mean, it looked okay for a period of DTM tribute. And he's charity, uh, auctioning it off for charity. Hey, right. cool. Pretty cool. I mean, that, that's yeah. sweet. That's sweet. I had no idea. Had no no idea. idea. This is like, you know, seven weeks ago. I see this car on, uh, and I look at it, read the article. I don't know who Travis Scott is. It, it doesn't, nothing registers. Because um, why would it? Right. Uh, Paul then, uh, hey, I'm selling your beloved car to a rapper for a bunch of money. Thanks. <laughs> um, didn't get that text. Right. Uh, so uh, he sells the car, and, and then they uh, painted the stripes on and did what they did. And and I guess that's one less car that we'll be buying back. Um, we try to buy them all back, but maybe I would buy it back only because of the story now, um, if somebody right. wanted it after the fact. But uh uh, yeah, so I was going to surprise you and bring you one of those Matchbox cars, but it turns out they're hand-painted and we're 2500 bucks each, so I'm sorry. I would have liked that. I vary our friendship, but not that much. It could have went <laughs> not a nice case over here, but uh, all right, well. Wow, okay, well, let's move on from that sad moment in that poor car's life, and why don't we move on to the BMW lightweights. So Paul Walker sold a bunch of his estate, I guess sold a bunch of his cars, a lot of BMWs. Not just lightweights, but he sold five lightweights, and you have some personal history with a few of those, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. It was the Barrett-Jackson auction in Scottsdale. Okay. Uh, the family consigned seven BMWs. They had the five lightweights and two E30 M3s, and uh, three of those seven cars we had sold uh, Paul and uh, his uh, crew at uh, Always Evolving. and. Right. This is way back, though. This is about that same time as uh, the M5 with with Zuckerman and whatnot. So what were those worth at the time, approximately? Yeah. Uh, so the first lightweight we sold him was a 14,000-mile car. That was, no question, the nicest car of that group uh, there. I was there on site and reviewed all the cars, spent a lot of time talking to people and stuff at Barrett uh, and, and looking at the other cars that we didn't sell them just to kind of size everything up to you know yeah. understand what the market was going to do and when it uh, finally you know uh, hammer struck, which was you know quite crazy we'll come to that but right right um uh you know the uh the first car 14k super great car original i bought that car from uh, one of the lead counsel uh, of walmart down in arkansas <laughs> okay uh and actually bought another uh johnny chicago e30 m3 from him since great uh interactions you know it's great with with you know enthusiasts that really care about their cars that uh, uh you know they've presented us the opportunities right. to buy these cars i mean yep. most of the cars we buy are phone rings and, and people want to keep them in really good homes and we try our best i mean zuckerman's been a really great guy to sell cars to <laughs> he usually keeps them in great homes we buy them back from them right, uh, right. like the m5 and whatnot but um uh we we do try to keep them close to, to the chest and in this case um uh, with uh, the lightweight, we uh, sold that then to Paul, and, and um, uh, it was a great exercise. And as we're loading the car up, another lightweight was offered to us uh, that had just 4,000 miles. Wow. And the car had an interesting background backstory uh, that um, was uh, checkered, to say the least. And, and uh, we gave Paul all the information, and, uh, hey, uh, it's coming in. We don't really want the car, but if you want it, uh, you know, here's you know, five grand over what we're paying for. It would be fine and fair, and it put, brings another deal over here together. Uh, and we're that far apart over there, so uh, if you want it, it's yours. We can put it on the same truck. 
Odd that a car with only 5,000 miles would have some type of checkered past, but I guess it happens. It does happen, uh, you know, uh, uh, especially with a homologation type car when it's, you know, built for a spec racing series. Right. Um, You know, things come at you fast when you're on a racetrack, especially walls. Right. And uh, so that car gets loaded up and it goes out. And um, but anyway, uh, the the car is sold for, you know. Crazy. I'm pausing because it's just like. I was on stage while that was all happening and had a couple clients uh, with us and had some pre-bids put in. And, you know, I was expecting that we were going to take some of those cars home. Right, right. Uh, I, I, I thought, you know, Barrett-Jackson, nobody's going to be buying BMWs at, at this uh, right. event. Uh, this is not the target market. And uh, I could not have been more wrong. Um, when the first car went through, I mean, I just like, I, I was electrified. I was shocked. I mean, right. I just, I didn't know what to say. Uh, I, I was speechless, which doesn't, happen very often right right and uh then the next car came and it was kind of just turned into a blur because i just i I thought i was dreaming these cars are selling for 200 plus thousand dollars yeah so you have the m lightweight appreciation factor which is strong and then you also have the celebrity factor which can be unknown at some points you know so you had a little bit of both kind of touching those cars right yeah it, it was really um it was really kind of a cool moment because i mean you know the the hobby is really changing fast and you know i'm sure that uh you know guys 20 30 years uh older than i that have been in this industry back then had probably had some moments like this when you know they're seeing you know a gt500 or whatever you know right. that they'd bought for five grand and it's crossing the block on tv for 150 grand like i remember yeah. one day you know i'll tell you a story about driving that car jumping them tracks or whatever the fun right. memories that they had with it it's part of the hobby and the good part of it but um yeah it was it was, it was pretty staggering i mean so the the yes dollars um, back then um i think uh they were trading typically the good ones were try trading around 40 grand or so right um you know 30 to 40 and and everybody else thought it would probably 20 to 30 but the better cars usually sell for a little bit more than what everybody else is actively seeing because most people don't have access to the top top type stuff typically speaking right right um but uh, i do remember exactly what that uh, uh low mileage car sold for it was 30,000 bucks wow um and we brought we brought in trade credit 25 grand i remember it very vividly and it's just over uh in indiana and it um, sold for 10x uh, at least uh yeah it was at 350 hammer so that's wow. uh 385 um which so there you go yeah, right. that's that's it yeah uh that, that, it's, that was nuts now um, of those five which one do you wish you had well, the 14,000-mile car was the one I hoped to bring back with me, and uh, we spent a lot of time going back over it. And it had a couple of small things that had changed since we sold it. You know, all the cars had been kind of in this um, warehouse in Southern California that was not climate-controlled, right. so there was some heat atrophy-related issues with a couple of the cars that uh, didn't get quite remedied. Barrett went through and did a good job in doing the basic stuff and putting a spoiler on here and this, that, there. Um, but they didn't do a real complete job. But uh, you know they've got bigger fish to fry because you know they're charging four or five hundred bucks for a bitter pass and right. you know, ten plus thousand bitters or whatever. You know uh, they're they're running a very profitable business. I can't I can't fault them for that. Any impact to the value of those cars if they had to decals or not, or were the decals in the trunk and you put them on? How no, no, every car was delivered to the dealer with decals on. There was no oh. such thing as a decal, no decal. delete kit. Okay. Um, that was simply a car that probably had some uh, time where the decals were taken off at some point. Um, gotcha. uh, it wasn't a, an exclusive option to not have that stuff within the lightweight program, right. probably quite the opposite. Right. And, um, uh, the cars were more modified than not across the group of them. 
Okay. Uh, and or at least previously modified at some point. Right. Um, and, you know, and then the cars were used and driven and enjoyed, which I mean, that's why Wensberg, Eric Wensberg, the M brand director at the time. I mean, that was his goal with the lightweight project was to build a basically a spec, you know, car that you could take right to the the track and and run IMSA and the GT class. And right. A lot of the enthusiasts, uh, you know, saw that as an opportunity to buy, you know, a track car with out having to scrape all the sound deadening off of the floors right. and take the, you know, 160, 70 pounds of, of extra sound deadening type stuff out uh, in addition to not having a sunroof so you don't have to weld one shut or have AC and all the extra weight all that stuff was saved. Saved I mean, you a bunch of work. They're like 200 pounds lighter weight. I mean, it's the lightest right. weight E36 chassis built across the platform, globally speaking. And uh, we're going to do something pretty fun, I hope. Uh, I was talking with some of the Haggerty guys, and we've got a... Uh, well, I guess I'll drop it here. We've got an E36 M3 GT coming, mm. uh, which is the homologation E36, and uh, it turns 25 years old in May, May 16th. Uh, we plan on having it at the border, uh, the customs, uh, you know, that week. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we're talking with Haggerty about maybe doing an article and running an E36 M3 lightweight against a GT up at Mid Ohio. Oh, that'd be cool. And I mean, it only makes sense to have a guy that drove a E36 in period behind the wheel since he's familiar with the platform right um mm-hmm. so uh, well i mean uh, we got to check up with our buddy bill oberlin <laughs> um, i mean uh, I was hang out with bill in o- oktoberfest in uh, uh south carolina this past year we didn't talk about this topic because i didn't know gt was coming in but uh, i'm sure i will twist his arm uh, he's going to be up there getting all the letterman uh, uh ray ray hall cars um uh, shaken down for the you know spring season at some point, and maybe we can time that well enough to have those two cars up there to do a couple comparison laps. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And speaking of videos, you did post a really cool video about the lightweights recently, right? And you had like what five of them in the shop or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've actually got we got six lightweights on property right now. Wow, out of how many were built? 126. Wow, so your percentage is five percent. That's really high for one shop. Yeah, yeah, we, we've sold. Uh, Somewhere around 35 or 40 of them. Oh, wow. Uh, we've, we have one in our collection that has a whopping 47 miles on it. Is that uh, the lowest mile one known in existence? I don't know of any that are lower, and I think I would know at this point. Don't let Zuckerman get it. I'm not selling that one, too. <laughs> oh, no, no. Just kidding, well, no. Paul. Hey, Paul, <laughs> two mil. Cheers. <laughs> wow. Now, weren't there a couple other M cars out of that collection? Yeah, so they had two E30 M3s, both white, uh, 88, uh, that we had sold them with 32,000 miles that came out of Pennsylvania, a two-owner car. Um, and that was, again, the same right at that same time. As soon as we bought it, uh, they let us know they were looking for those. They wanted white ones. Um, that was a theme with their BMWs, clearly. Okay. And uh, so we pretty much loaded up in, in Pittsburgh uh, and sent it straight that way, which we don't do often, but the relationship was off to a pretty brisk start, and we had done a lot of business at that point. So, uh, you know, it's kind of cool uh, to you know, work with uh, that group and, and know that we're helping build a stable that, you know, was purpose-built to – you know, celebrate the, the hobby and the passion that he had for right. this era of cars. And we had that same passion. I mean, he's buying all the cars that we have in our garage and our collection and, and, you know, the stuff that gets us excited too. And so that was really cool to share that bond. Um, you know, it was really a, a good time in business and, and uh, certainly rewarding. Um, definitely was validating too back then because we're, you know, not quite as established as we are today back then. Right. And knowing that we were doing uh, some pretty cool things with some pretty big, um, you know, cars was uh, exciting, and, and certainly has helped pave the way to get to where we're at today. Yeah, no, no kidding. Well, and also, you know, we're speaking about lightweights now, but you know, we can transition into the cars we actually want to cover on this podcast. So these are all the cars that are coming up for auction through one of the auction houses at Amelia Island. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about the lightweight you have coming up in uh, Amelia? Uh, well, it's it's not mine. It's not yours. It's okay. not mine. Uh, but it was. It was. <laughs> All right. The EAG touches on it. Uh, so uh, a good client, a good friend uh, out east. Uh, he's a physician and. Uh, uh, we spoke with him a couple months ago. He's got a pretty big opportunity coming up uh, with his practice to expand and add some more uh, infrastructure, and that of course takes uh, yeah money. Capital. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know he had a pre has a pretty still has a pretty sizable collection, but uh, was looking to, for some quick liquidity, and so obviously it's easy to you know strike a big line through a, a portion of a fraction of it and uh, sell it in this venue, and and so that's uh, what's happening. And so this lightweight. Uh, is one of um, close to a dozen or so of these cars that, that are out of his stable. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an EAG car. I mean, um, yeah, I probably shouldn't be talking about it because I plan on bringing it back with us. <laughs> um, but, uh, right. yeah, that didn't work out so well for me the last time around, but right. uh, maybe right. it will this time. Uh, but it's a good car, um, and uh, it's had a good home, and, and the previous owner was, was certainly a, a really good custodian, and glad they reached out to us to give us the opportunity to have it back then and become part of his life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, what can you tell me about the other car that's coming up that's like it, the other M3, uh, same same era? Yeah, so uh, same collector, um, 88 M3. It's a Diamond Schwartz uh, in black, has uh, 18,000 miles on it. Uh, wow. It's, it's kind of a cool car. You know, going back to the other two cars, that, uh, Paul's collection real quick. I mean, those cars set records. Uh, the 91 um, was a white one with um, an interesting story that we also know we didn't have a part in that car, uh, but it, you know that's 220,000 um, bucks. Mm. You know the lightweights collectively right. did like 1.3 million. Um, it's, I'm sure most people listening know what all the number, results were, but uh, the other E30 did 150 grand, uh, so 165 with the the fee. Right. Um, yep. you know, for a 32,000 mile 88 white on uh, uh, that was a Natcher, a tan interior. That's, okay. That's you know definitely a, a really strong result. Um, this car, you know, has an estimate of 100 to 130. Uh, that's probably within the ball ballpark. Um, uh, this car, though, I'm sure people never thought that it was going to be 100 or 130 grand. Uh, this car specifically, this VIN number was the first real big car E30 M3 wise. It's right. the lowest mileage E30 M3 we ever found way back when, and I'm going back to like 2006 or seven. Okay, and. I remember finding the car. I remember getting crazy excited and being extremely deflated when hearing what the owner wanted to sell it for. Um, somehow we ended up getting a deal done, and I ended up selling it to a uh, Ned. Uh, it's all coming back to me. Um, <laughs> Ned was really detail-oriented, and we spent a lot of time on the phone with Ned. Um, and he ended up buying the car, and he had a um, good ownership experience, and Ned ends up turning around and selling the car back to me for a little bit more money. Uh, shortly thereafter, a couple of years, and we end up selling it to the now collector that's uh, uh, selling it with uh, with Gooding. And I remember that car really well because it was like really one of the first cars that I really got uh, ripped apart online about because you know we I think we had it up for thirty five or maybe forty thousand bucks. And what were they typically going for at that well, time? Well, it was the rule fifteen. I mean, you buy any E thirty M three for fifteen grand. Fifteen grand. You're 15 asking thirty five, forty. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, so you know, here we are, you know, two plus X. Right uh, uh, for a car, and it might it, honestly it might even been a thirty grand. I don't. It, it, we were we were more, but it wasn't 
you know, this is all relative. I mean, it's a yeah, seventeen thousand. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's a number one condition car that right. you know we'd never seen anything like that. The market hadn't seen many, if any, come to you know the bubble car maybe that had uh, you know crazy low mileage, a different white right. one. But uh, you know those type of numbers weren't put out there in the open market. And most of those top level cars trade hands privately and do so at numbers that the public doesn't see. Right. Right. But not when you're a young budding entrepreneur. You got to put your price on the door. They're not going to give you a call. Right. Right. And uh, you know we caught a lot of heat for that. Yeah, you do that, and people don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, well, then you look at now. It's a bargain. It's, it's, well, no, but it's the same thing. I, I put the price out there, and people didn't like it. And today, you know, a lot of the cars that we sell, we want to actually involve uh, the clients into the storyline and make them a part of this next chapter if this is a good fit for them. And right. we want to, you know, sell the car by interview to a small degree and making sure it's a good, you know. Uh, fit and a lot of the guys that are selling their cars to us the main reason they're selling them to us is so that we ensure the cars go to a good home the next time and we help write a good chapter for that car's life that's that more that's more important to a lot of these people than the money they got plenty of money they want to make sure that the car that they loved is, is treasured and, right. and cared for and honored by the next guy. It's not bought by a rapper and redone, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry about that. Harold uh, uh, in Georgia, um, Mustang collector down there that was the original owner. Sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> out of my control. Um, but uh, we did what we could. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, But keeping those cars in really good homes is, is certainly really important for us. Right. And uh, so now when I don't put a price online... I, it's the same. I catch a bunch of heat that, uh, you know, or why aren't you putting your numbers on there? I'm not going to call you if you're not going to put your price on. I'm like, if you're interested, if, if you really want a car at this caliber, we're happy to sell it to you. We're happy to tell you the price. We'll give you everything that we have about the car. I'll even tell you what you paid for it if we know you. Right. Um, it's not it's not smoke and mirrors. We're very, very honest um, about everything that we do. But it's um, it's kind of a double-edged sword, I suppose. But it's funny how it's kind of come full circle. Um, and here's this car now coming up and, and selling for Again, three, four X of what it did back then, um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, in uh, next Friday on March sixth, uh, when that rolls off. But great car. I mean, it's super, super nice car. We'd be watching that one closely. Uh, it won't go too cheap, or it'll be coming through AG again. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> right. it's a great car. I mean, right. It, it, it actually, it's been so long since I've seen it. That's probably one of the E thirty M threes that's but the furthest removed from coming back through the program. Okay. So be a really good uh, exercise for my guys for us to be able to see. Yeah. You know the condition, the quality. I mean, I've got a pretty good idea. It's I'm sure it's got a little bit of vehicular atrophy right. uh, that happens when the car has had you know two or three hundred miles since we sold it 13 years ago. Right. Um, but we know how to fix that, and we have a lot of experience fixing really stupid low mileage cars that right. haven't been uh, dri driven around uh, you know in a long period of time. That's that's why people send their cars to us to go through our program. Right. Right. Well, let's move on to the uh, was 2002 BMW M5. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is an E39 M5 that we bought from the first owner that we've consigned uh, as well. It's a 21 and change, 22,000 mile car. Uh, the E39 M5 market has been hot. We spoke about it obviously a little bit here already, and is um, this is just a it, it's the Madonna car, um, meaning it's a silver on black. Uh, it's a Titan trim car, just like the BMW films that so many people can relate to yeah. back in the early 2000s. I mean, who? What BMW enthusiast has not seen all of those? You know, Guy Ritchie, you know, right. producing a, a just a, a thriller of a, you know, a five, eight, ten minute video. I mean, I think that those were pretty hard to get back in the time. They were kind of limited release, and, and you know, BMW did a big hub hubbub about those. And I'm actually in love with that car, and I actually texted you a couple of weeks ago. I actually tracked one down. Remember mm -hmm. that? In the mm -hmm. rain, pulled mm -hmm. up into a restaurant, and I flagged the guy down and 
It was a 36,000 mile original one. Uh, speaking of rare, though, it's if I'm correct, in your back here, you got something that's really rare. Uh, did I not see a under 10,000 mile M5 back there that you just barn find single owner? Yeah, was... yeah, we've. Uh, I'm not gonna let the cat out of the bag yet, <laughs> just because the car got here today. That's insane. But um, you know, you get a, like a find of a decade about every decade, and uh, here. Starting the decade off great. We're not even two uh, <laughs> months into the Roaring Twenties here, but uh, uh, we've found the uh, barn find of it's not it's a garage find rather uh, in the southwest um, an E28 M5 that is under uh, ten thousand miles. Yeah, that thing it's, is it's, gorgeous. It's the second lowest mileage one I've uh, ever uh, witnessed, and um, it's been very elusive. But it's under good reason. It's been with just one owner since uh, new, and we got a call literally a week ago today. And uh, here the car is today. Uh, so and I it, think you saw it the same time I saw it, right? Yes, that's correct. Wow, yeah, it's that a, is really cool. It's uh, it's going to be quite exciting, and I'm looking forward to uh, figuring out uh, how to bring that car to the next owner the right way. But it's uh, definitely an exciting opportunity, and and you know, with our 7,000 mile car, which is the only one that's lower mileage than that, I sold that E28 M5 to you know, uh, better the family situation and buy the, the next house to get the kids in the right school and whatnot right. about two, three years ago, two years ago. You don't have any and, kids you got to put in school right no, now. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so selling that E28 M5 back then was 7,000 miles was, was, thankfully I sold it back to the guy that I bought it from. Well, and so right. we keep the cars in the right network. And uh, But uh, that's the only car that I know of that has lower mileage than this one. And uh, so may maybe we'll keep this one. We'll see. You know, Zuckerman probably will be calling me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> What's this I hear about? Uh, under 10,000 miles with no price on it. Wow. Well, what would you like to cover next? What's the next one on the list here? Uh, well, we've got two other cars that we're going to consign or have consigned. All these cars, by the way, are going no reserve. Uh, we're not bringing them home. Um, we're hopeful that the people that buy them are going to enjoy them uh, first, and hopefully uh, if they have questions, we're certainly happy to answer them. All four of these cars we've consigned have completed every step of the EAG Rejuve program. Tell me that. T give me a little bit on the Rejuve program. Uh, baseline reset. It's make the car new for a second time. Uh, these cars, whether it's age or mileage or a combination of both, or the bike fell on it, or there's a scratch here, or there's an imperfection there. If you want it back to close to new again, uh, as sympathetically as possible, preserving the originality where is possible. Um, we've got 20 years now doing that with our inventory. Right. Uh, every car that we buy to bring to market, uh, we want to make sure it's as close to new as possible because then we can buy it back with that much more confidence, which is the cornerstone of our business model and buying the cars back because we bought the right car to begin with. Right. And so we really put our money where our mouth is in that regard um, when we have the opportunity. And uh, thankfully, with all the guys that we sell cars to, because we had that conversation, we built that relationship. Um, they're going to take great care of it, and we keep constant communication with them throughout their ownership to make sure that they have full access to all of our resources, all of our shops, all the networks. Every shop in every major metropolitan area knows us, and we know them and who's good and, and make sure they get good service outside of the EAG network. And then we buy the cars back and put them back through. Um, uh, the program has um, evolved to the point that that's really become our main business. We started out selling cars. We're still selling cars. We've never changed. That's we're selling more cars than we ever have. Right. Um, but at this point, we have more VIN numbers in our system that are not cars that we've sold. Rather, they're cars that uh, customers have bought elsewhere. Um, you know, I'm right. a high bidder on this car today. It's it's at EAG tomorrow. Right. And uh, going through and resetting that baseline so that they're ready to enjoy the car reliably, um, safely. That's a big one. I mean, there's a lot of safety things that um, people just tend to overlook. I mean, tire age is such a simple, 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 simple thing. 
and uh, you know Evan sitting right there, ten feet from us, had a mass, massive yeah. car wreck sixteen years ago this August because of bad tires because I just didn't know any better. I was young and dumb and stupid and cheap and and that cost almost cost him his life because of a simple investment that I didn't know or wasn't brought to my attention to make that investment. Right. right. And so we don't let others, other enthusiasts have that uh, risk. Um, we're going to bring that stuff to their attention so that it's done right and, and done with the best products out there and BMW parts, Michelin parts done by guys that have, you know, it's muscle memory for this. I mean, we've got the best tech team. I mean, and they're only BMW and they're only doing uh, predominantly M. So the experience case, the, the exposure case, um, gosh, I mean, I, I don't think there's any place that's worked on more BMWs this far removed from new, especially in the M world, um, as this crew, and uh, we do a great job making sure that you know the cars are ready to start the next chapter safely and, yeah. and enjoyably, and, and drive you know the way right. they should. I mean, you right. buy it to drive it, you know, and and ha- I mean, who's driven an E thirty nine M five that walked away and said, eh, right. or an E thirty M three said, eh, I won't, I wouldn't want to drive that again. Speaking of putting a car through its paces, I was fortunate. I don't know, almost two years ago now, I came by here and. You had one of your texts take me for one of the coolest rides I've ever been on. I believe it was an 88 mm-hmm. M3, but a really special one. Yeah. Tell me more about that. And if you, you can check out the Instagram video. I'll post it tonight. It's uh, We took it to Redline, and you know you got to run it through his paces. Make sure it's going to perform for the customer, which is what you guys were doing. But tell me about that car. Yeah, that, that was a 1988 M3 uh, Evolution 2. 5,000 miles? With 5,000 miles. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, it had always been in service and, and always kept up, which is you know a pretty big thing. Uh, a lot less work to bring the car back up a second time in that case. But we had uh, we were preparing that car to send it out to Monterey. Uh, so uh, that had been uh, two and a half years ago. Okay. And um, uh, we sold it to a client out there. And, um, you know, very, very big car. Uh, one of the lowest mileage Evo 2s. The Evo 2s had a high... You know, use and, and uh, consume rate. I mean, they were tracked and, and great way to get a track car with all the hot stuff on it at a not a lot of uh, premium relative to the time when these cars were not that very expensive. I mean, you could buy this car, you know, that car was probably 25, 30, 35,000 pounds at some point in its life, maybe even a little bit less. Um, and uh, thankfully, the family that had it took really good care of it, and and uh, you got to. I got to enjoy you, 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 it as so, a passenger. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was the final, uh, you know, one of the final rounds of quality control, and and yeah. uh, Sean, uh, you know, took you for a good hot ride, and we got to push every button and make sure every function tests out that uh, you're going to get a turnkey car because that's what you paid for. Yeah, we're not the cheapest place out there. Um, but you're going to get what you paid for, and we're going to stand behind it. And if there's a problem when you got there, it's my problem, not his, right? Yeah, so, what's the market on that car today? Uh, that car's a lot. Um, more than what the uh, Travis Scott's car sold for in back then. So, uh, what, three fifty, three something like that? Uh, it's, it's in that range. You're not far off. Wow. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a number one car that's a significant outlier that's a dot way all by itself. Right. Um, you know, and uh, you know, those are the cars that seem to keep, keep pushing the market and keep pushing the needle. Um, the stuff that is just really far out there, uh, the top 5% of stuff is typically what sells. And, and even in a lower market or down market, uh, you know, that stuff can set new records. Right. Um, the 80s, 90s stuff's not in down market right now. Uh, I think it's doing pretty well, and, and all the, the data would suggest that uh, you know the buyers are, are relatively young um, and just coming into their money, so it's a, a pretty good spot to be, and I think that this segment's got a pretty good set of legs on it. Uh, Absolutely. Of, it's, it's odd because the buyers actually, for a lot of our stuff over the last three or four years, 
they've gotten notably younger mm. um, on average. Um, it's it's been very interesting, and, and uh, we're we're tracking it. Um, we we share a lot of this information as does uh, Haggerty with us, and trying to you know kind of stay ahead of stuff. And um, uh, I think we're positioned for pretty uh, exciting uh, next couple of years within these small niche markets. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, what's the next one on the list for today? The 535? Yeah, we've got a bronzet beige metallic 535i and E28, uh, full Euro bumper conversion, Euro headlights, great enthusiasts behind that car in the past that have really done a good job caring for it. Uh, we bought the car uh, and used the car and drove the car and had a lot of fun with it and, and showed it uh, down at um, Vintage. and A mm. uh, lot of uh, great feedback on the car. I think it would be a really good car to, to see where the market's at in that capacity. The car's got a trunk full of trophies to right. uh, back uh, back it up. <laughs> right. And so um, uh, that car is, uh, again, no reserve, uh, as well as a 2001 Z3M Coupe. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a 7,000-mile car that we've purchased from a client in California. Uh, it's actually part of a package deal. Just a low mileage stock, honest, um, you know, car that's uh, all Vintags match. Um, you know, it's good, good car. It's not perfect, but it's not far, too far off. Right. Um, right. The S54 is the one to have with the Z3M coupes, and uh, the North American market was pretty blessed uh, receiving the lion's share of the S54M coupes. Uh, so the European, is that also known as the clown shoe? Yeah, the clown, clown shoe. shoe. The, the, bre- the bread van. Love those. Yeah, the M shoe. Yep. Um, it's an E30 M3 rear suspension geometry, uh, E36 M3 front with an E46 M3 drivetrain. So it's kind of like the, the trifecta of the first three M3s put into one small little funky shape that it's just a riot to drive. Oh, I love oh, it. Dude, yep. they rip. I you mean, got a really cool gray one back there. I know. That's yeah. not the appropriate pink name. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's, uh, steel gray, metallic. Steel gray. Oh, it wasn't that far off. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, it's an O2 with a big motor as well, sunroof elite. Um, we bought that car actually in, in Berkeley, California, and I used that car during Monterey Pebble Beach Week oh, nice. <laughs> uh, about three years ago. Uh, we sold it to the GM of uh, Ferrari of San Francisco okay. um, and then bought it back from them, and it's back going through the Reju program again. Now, you just we just covered a 535i. What percent of your cars today are not M cars? Like, do you see as the market goes up, mm-hmm. you know, like all <clears throat> boats go up with a rising tide, sure. you're seeing the... Non-M cars gaining appreciation as well at the same, well, maybe not the same rate, but an appreciable rate. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when stuff gets out of uh, budget for certain enthusiasts, then you you know look at the alternative markets and, and what other cars would be uh, an alternative um, uh, opportunity. And then those typically start to, to trend upwards as well. I mean, this is a, a statistical thing that, uh, you know, Haggerty and others also track. And... Um, uh, you know, the, the 535s, as the E28M5s have gone up, the, the 535s have as well. And uh, this very car that we're auctioning sold on Bring a Trailer for $50,000 in 2017. Wow, and what's the estimate now? Uh, 30 to 50. Okay. And yeah. um, uh, the estimates, uh, I think, have become quite a bit more realistic. And as we saw in um, Scottsdale, a lot of the right caliber cars that had really conservative estimates did extremely well and did proportionally much stronger relative to the estimate than uh, the last two or three years when the auction houses were quite a bit more bullish and maybe trying to push the market a little bit. I think a lot of the auction estimates have come right back down to more manageable. I mean, I can't speak for everybody in other markets that I don't know, but um, we set the estimates with uh, uh, them uh, in a very um, aggressive nature because uh, I think that uh, somebody's going to get a good deal, and if they don't um, uh, show up to play, you're never going to know. 
Right. Uh, you know, these are uh, hard opportunities to replicate with cars that are this nice, and, and you know, this is the top stuff, at least the stuff that we've consigned. Um, you can't speak to that in most auction environments because one big thing, this is important. If you're going to buy a car at an auction, if you're going to buy a car anywhere, but if you're going to buy a car at an auction, get a specialist, pay a consultant, get advice from somebody that's not uh, going to be the one writing the check that you know, can take their heart out of the equation because there's a lot of uh, work requiring a, a good solid head about them right. that can identify things that you might not see and get caught up in the moment and all of a sudden, right, you just <laughs> bought a, uh, uh, you know, a woody wagon uh, and had no idea that you even did so because right. uh, you just didn't do your homework and, and uh, whether it was a mistake or not, we'll, we'll see when the dust settles. But, um, you know, it, when you get it home and, and finally unravel a lot of mistakes and, and a lot of these cars are showing up, uh, that's actually another segue. I mean, so many of the cars that have been purchased recently and bring a trailer and, and other uh, mediums, but a lot of bring a trailer cars are, have showed up at EAG straight from, we, we organize the logistics even from the, the seller's place. You, you buy it, you send them the money, we go pick it up for you. We bring it to the shop. We put it through the program. That's actually the lion's share of the cars in our workshop right now. And uh, that uh, uh, M3 that you just saw, uh, another um, and Euro M5 down there. Um, uh, and, and so we're, uncovering some stuff that may or may not have been disclosed and so having a car inspected by a, a trained professional right. before you, you're throwing your hand up in the air i mean worth it absolutely worth it what are the top three non-m cars you you think everybody should keep an eye on See, i know you mentioned the 335 uh the, the, the 535 535 yep yep so uh, z8s um are one that we do a lot of business with um if there's any car that we do uh, the most non-m stuff with would be z8s we've sold quite a few of those and have a lot of those actually that's probably our number one car for rejuve um uh the you have the performance package installed but you got to drill holes in the frame so it's kind of a big deal and having a body shop and the frame and body experience it's you know, we're going to have it right on the millimeter um it's a you mess that up and on aluminum frame that's a big deal right uh, but the z8s uh, are a good market to watch uh i think anything e30 uh is certainly yeah. uh doing well the e30 is such a great and and, and just playful chassis uh, 318, 325, a wagon, a coupe, a convertible. I mean, they're all fun. They're new enough that they're reliable. They're old enough that they're analog and they're right. tactile and they're driving feedback and sensations. Um, you can get a lot out of an E30 for not a lot of money. Right. Uh, whether it's an M3 or, or otherwise, um, you're going to have a lot of fun. We cut our teeth on E30s back in the day. Evan and I did a road trip when we were 17 and 19 to Florida. I don't know why our parents said that was okay, <laughs> but we did. And it was a great trip and a 325 IS, and those memories are well coming through here again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, the third one. Um, uh, Would it be the non-M Clownshee? The Z3 Coupes are, or, and Z3 uh, Roadsters are great cars. Um, I would say that uh, that's definitely a good market to enjoy. The, it's a good driver's car. Okay. I don't know that I would call it a, maybe a, a collector's car right. just yet. Um, some of them with real low mileage with the bigger motors maybe um, you know the 335 ISs and, and the 330 ZHPs seem to have a really strong cult following uh, those <clears throat> have really picked up a lot of um, traction and, and have been selling pretty well um, you know uh, E34s you know, 535s are really cool fun cars um, still a pretty good bargain but you're going to you know, roll your sleeves up um, right. you're going to have a lot of work to do there um, I think that uh, you know the E39 540 M Sport would be probably, arguably maybe the third one if, if okay. you had to pick. Um, there's a lot of guys that 
those 540M sports or the 540 wagons, um, right. you know, anything BMW touring, that, there you go. Yeah. Uh, that's actually, that's the third one. Any BMW touring, uh, period. Period, um, okay. Whether it's an E30 touring or an E34 touring, uh, E39 tourings are certainly very popular. Um, a lot of guys doing conversions. Uh, there's a, a, a $73,000 E34. Nine M5 conversion six-speed supercharged oh <laughs> touring, uh, really cool, uh, done really right. Right, right. Uh, but seventy-three thousand dollars for a hot rod. Right, right. That's, that's a lot, lot of money. That's a lot. So uh, I, I would go if I had to pick a third, and actually I'd pr- maybe even bump the thirties and go touring on number two. Okay, no, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, what's next on our list? Got a few more here. We're going to cover. Uh, might as well do a. 2002 Turbo. Oh, yeah. That's a great little car. Those have really appreciated the last few years. Seems like anything Turbo has appreciated a lot. Yeah, the 2002 Turbo was the first European production Turbo variant just a you know, couple months before the 930s. Right. Um, you know, the, the 2002 platform um, obviously paved the way for a lot of enthusiasts to become very brand loyal. Yep. Um, just like the E36 did. I mean, in the E30. Um, yeah. And, you know, getting that next generation of enthusiasts set up to, um, you know, dig in for the next 10, 20, 30 years to, right. you know, build those companies is exactly uh, uh, what the 2002 did. The two, it saved the company, really, yeah. in the history uh, of BMW. Uh, you know, we do not do a ton of 2002s, a little bit older than our mainstay. We have one in our collection. Um, uh, however, we know enough to be dangerous, but if you tell me you want us to work on your 2002 in a big, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 capacity... Um, I'm going to give you a couple names and referrals of who I would uh, do. We can, can we do it? Yes. Can we do a great job? Absolutely. Is the, it our core competency or are there better right. people out there? Yes, there are. And I'll be happy to give you the names and numbers because I want to stick, I want to stay in our lane. Right. Uh, if it's got an M badge on the back, um, if it's a car uh, in that era of car, even if it's not an M in the uh, same era, if we can do an M5, the E39, we can do a 540M Sport just as well. Right, um, but uh, the the 2002 Turbo, I, I don't know a lot of, about the car specifically. This particular VIN number, uh, 150 to 175 thousand dollar estimate. I can tell you the market overall. Uh, you can buy one for 75 to 80 thousand dollars. It's probably not going to be a really great car that you're going to need to do a lot of work to. Right. Uh, when it's done, it's probably going to be more of a um, restored car, and how correct it's going to be is up to who you commissioned to restore it and how much was there when you started. Right, right. Uh, a buck fifty to buck seventy-five. It should be a really nice car. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. But uh, let's let a professional inspect it, make that decision for us. Yeah. Right, right. Well, now that leads us to our next turbo car, right? Yeah, the the one M. Uh, we have uh, that's the fourth consignment and final uh, that we brought down to Gooding. Uh, it's a 2011 one uh, M, seven hundred forty. These built for the U.S. market. It's a twin turbo three liter. This is a six thousand mile one owner car that we bought directly from the first owner. You emailed mm-hmm. us through the website, um, ready to move on, and wanted a car to go to a good home, and wow. we offered that and gave them a easy uh, sale strategy. Uh, you send them a wire transfer the next day and picked it up. Right. Uh, right. Put the car through the full program. All these cars we did, and, and so it's turnkey EAG ready to go. To go. Um, and uh, you know we'll see what the one M market is feeling uh, uh, this time next week. Right. Okay. But it, but it's it's cool because those two cars are you know pretty connected. Um, you know the the one M, uh, really kind of set the way for where M was going to go after that. Right. Uh, that's the first M car uh, with a turbo setup, 
uh, ever. Uh, the X5M sports activity vehicle technically right. is uh, the first turbo before that, but that's not a car, as says BMW. They'll tell you very clearly that's right. not a car. <laughs> uh, and um, you know, look at the front fascia design. Um, it's the same three-liter uh, base with two turbos on the M3 and the M4 today. Uh, I think the next generation is going to be very, very similar to that, just you know, further refined as BMW continues. And if you think about the history of BMW, they, they had a great six-cylinder right. 100 years ago. Right. And they just kept making it better. Yeah. And making it better and making it better and making it better. And that's when they went to the six throttle bodies on the S54, you know, probably the best inline six-cylinder M engine ever built in the E46 M3 and in these clown shoes. Right. Um, you know, really high horsepower output to the displacement, won all the awards, knocked the S2000 engine off the leaderboard that was just there for a couple yeah, months, I think, yeah. back in 2000. And uh, they just keep making what works better. And, I mean, it's total German engineering at its finest. Right. They just keep refining and refining. And so it's going to be interesting to see what output they get out of three liters again now. And I, th I guess it's out on the um, X... 3M and X4M. Right. One was playing with me on the highway about two weeks ago. Whoever that was in Cincinnati, that X3M, <laughs> I was driving an M5, and I mean, it was not, no, I was driving a, a Lime Rock. I was driving a Lime Rock. Oh, I mean, wow. So, that, of course, he's going to screw with me because I'm right. driving a bright orange car. Right, right. Um, and uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, and that car sounded good. Uh, that, he, he had some work done. He what had color? His, uh, it was, I think it was, I think it was silver. Okay. Uh, he was in my rear view the whole time, so I don't know. <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> well, we've got three more cars to cover. Then we're going to do a little round of Keep, Cash, and Crush with Eric Keller. So these last three are a little different. We got some uh, we got some of the Z8s and Alpina. And uh, why don't we go over these real quick? So uh, we've got an Alpina Z8 that is... Oh, yeah. The, should we start there? Yeah. Or you want to go to the Alpina B7? I do the end on the B okay. V7. So uh, the Alpina Z8 Roadster, it is technically, it's called a BMW Alpina V8 Roadster. Alpina is its own manufacturer, as most people probably know, at least the BMW guys listening to your podcast here. Um, uh, this car is going to be pretty interesting to see what it does because it has seven miles on it. That it's, is uh, insane. That's not even... Not even delivery miles, are they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah most are about that. Yeah, it's it's uh, so that, that should be an interesting. Uh, they've got an estimate of four hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand uh, dollars. This is also at Gooding. Uh, it's black on black, which is a pretty good color combo. Not super rare, but not super common. Um, most of them are silver black, and if they're not silver black, they're silver red. If they're not silver red, they're they're black on black or black on um, crema, uh, or black on red. And um, I, I think it, it'll do. Uh, It'll hammer at. It'll hammer four hundred for sure. Right. Um, definitely hammer four hundred. Uh, I think it's a twelve percent commission. It's either ten or twelve percent. Um, so I don't think their estimate's too crazy. And and you know the European market on the Z8 is stronger than it is in North America. Typically, it costs about thirty percent to import a non-natural car to most European countries. And that typically has been the spread with Z8s as well as Alpinas um, relative to uh, each of the markets. And so we'll typically see a lot of the standard Z8s sell for what we think are kind of staggering numbers. Um, and uh, there are, though, a couple lighting configuration changes. It costs about ten grand or so to convert it. Um, but then there's another uh, Z8 uh, 2001. And that uh, one's at RM, correct? Uh, yeah. Yep, that one's yep. at RM. Uh, that is a 6,000-mile car. And that, and 
color really matters with the Z8s, and, and most markets, uh, color certainly matters. And this one's topaz blue over crema. Uh, oh, it's a crema in black. Topaz blue is, is a gorgeous color, and uh, actually we don't have that browser up, so we're going to skip it. But uh, the topaz always sells really well. Um, they've got an estimate of that one at 230 to 255 on 6,000 miles. Yeah, they'll do about that. Uh, yeah, I found these two interesting because one of them's an Alpina, but you also have the seven, seven mile. You know, that's just crazy in. factoring mm -hmm. in. Um, you know, it's interesting to see what the Alpina market, you know, is above and beyond the base. Yeah, yeah, car. yeah. The the proportional um, delta has always been fifteen percent. Yeah, about. Um, so we, we just sold the 2002 silver on red Z8 uh, two weeks ago. Uh, fourth, oh, four, that's four, a great color. 4,600-mile car. Had a set of 20-inch Alpina wheels on it, so it's a little bit deceiving. But it's just a, a standard six-speed Z8 uh, with the Alpinas. Uh, that car did $220,000 and, uh, again, 4,600 miles. If that car was in a 03, it would have, in a standard Z8 with that setup, it would have done 230, 235.000. Uh, translate to Alpina um, that would do 260 to 270 okay is about right um, uh, the, the gap is narrowed just a little bit in recent time uh, I think the, Z, the the six speeds knowing that the market is certainly trended towards automatics um, mm. you know the three pedal the, the save the manuals the six speed for life um, you know we, we subscribe to that uh, more times than not. Um, and uh, I think that uh, there's definitely a use case for both of those cars. The Alpina has the better suspension, it has the better wheels, it has the better tires. Um, uh, it, it has a, a, a nice, uh, a different blue gauge uh, binnacle there. Um, so the, the ultimate thing to do, which actually we're doing with the, the uh, 2002 that we just sold, we're taking all of the cool stuff of, off of uh, Alpina, a new parts bin, buy it brand new from BMW, and we're basically taking a Z8 Roadster and adding the full Alpina suspension. It already had the Alpina wheels. We're doing a, a nice little dyne in treatment to it to modernize the performance level, boost it up just a little bit, uh, adding uh, some integration on the media so that he can stream his Bluetooth and, and have telephone calls drive him to and from the office, right, and, right. and uh, tailoring the car to meet his uh, 2020 use Right. case, it was used profile, uh, and safely, um, uh, and uh, that's something we do for all of our clients. If they're buying a car or want to send a car to it, we'll make it the way you want it um, right out the gates. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, for our last car, this is a really special car, a 1982 Alpina B7 Turbo Coupe. Tell us about that car. That's got to be a rare one. Yeah, uh, the E24 6 Series platform is uh, where Alpina really pushed, um, as well as the E12, and, and Alpina, you know, was a... a racing company that eventually uh, turned into a manufacturing company to support their racing and they sold cars uh, as a manufacturer to um, uh, support um, uh, all of their racing endeavors right and uh, the uh, b7 both the e12 the e28 the e24 platforms you know it's a, just a rip ripping car to drive right. I mean when that boost comes on it's a 3.5 liter it's a, a KKK turbo, same turbo as you'll find on a 930. Um, it's just, I mean, it puts you back. I mean, right. it's, it's a good mid-300 horsepower, mid-300 torque car um, with really small updates to modern um, engine management. Um, it's you know, almost pushing 400. And 
Uh, we have a, I think you walked past it coming out in the shop here. We've got a 87 E28 Alpina B7 Turbo. It's a slash three, uh, which is the final version of the E28 platform with the catalysts. And uh, it's a Japanese spec car. Most of the Alpinas, most of the Alpina market uh, back in this time was, were slated for the Japanese market. Oh, That's where the, uh, the luxury, you know, Alpina was not slated to be an M competitor, rather a luxury brand that had all the performance but also the, all the luxury as well and that's why you'll see right. a lot more automatics proportionally okay. uh, to the manual and, and that being a new technology back then an automatic was a big luxury it was a cost plus option and if you had an automatic you know that was you know that was that was all the news on the, the in the neighborhood um, not so much today now that everything right. else is automatic <laughs> right. um, and it costs more back then and it's worth less now um, right. so it's a little bit backwards but um, you know, finding a manual transmission Alpina in this period is actually quite a bit rarer than you'd think. Um, you know, this car, uh, these are all over the board. This is a, another perfect example. You've got to send a professional. Right. I mean, there's sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 of receipts in the Alpina that we have prior to our acquisition. And he paid a lot of money for the car. And I think he probably paid more than he thought relative to what the car was going to need. Right. And, you know, what you pay for a car is not as important as what you own the car for six months or 12 months or 24 months from now. Because it's the same wallet that money's coming out of. Right. right. It's just a different time. <laughs> right. And, Either pay it up front or pay it later. <laughs> and, yeah, and usually the pay later comes uh, surprises and in much, lar yeah, much larger <laughs> increments than you think. And right. running a workshop and, and having those exercises and experiences with guys that are buying these cars every day on Bring a Trailer and elsewhere... Um, you know, it's yeah. Hey, I'm, I, I got a great deal on bring a trailer. Hey, Mike, we got another one. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's five grand. No, it's probably probably going to be more like fifteen. But you know, right. we won't know until we see it. And does it need everything? No. We're going to recommend a longer list. We have a different right. experience base to, in order to make those recommendations because you're going to spend the money on the things that we're recommending. We're just going to project out a little further than most other shops and, and ensuring that you're going into eyes wide open and that's what we do to the cars we're selling. So why not uh, present that to you as a potential owner of this or as an owner of the car, well, as the car you already own. Right. <laughs> it's, not, right. it's not a pre-purchase inspection. It's a, it's a post-purchase inspection. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, that, that car is actually a great lead into my uh, keep cash and crush game I love to play. Now, this is where I get to have a little bit of fun. And honestly, the more painful it is for you, the better job I've done. So hopefully this is painful. Uh, we will see. So I pick out three cars for you, and you have to choose one to keep forever, okay. one to cash in, right. and one to crush, All to right. send to the crusher. Okay. So I've picked out three very special cars for you. So the first car is the Alpina I saw a couple years ago. You have to clarify for our listeners the one of 30, one of four with the stick shift, and one of two with this original engine that was parked out here. Oh, that was my B7S. That was your B7S. Turbo. That was the granddaddy of this car. Yeah. The green one. The best one, right? Uh, one like of two 19, original 19,000 miles. Original interior. Original interior. Yeah, and now that miles. one will be reposted on my Instagram tomorrow. That's so a, that's, okay. that's one car. That's a tough car right there, right? Well, I'm not crushing it. <laughs> next well well okay all right let's see if you stick to that uh let's see the next one is esther malango 1991 525 art car which i know you know what it is because i'm looking at it right over right up there by your valvoline oil cans ah, yeah so a bmw art car but one of the less powerful not to my taste <laughs> cars so you have to crush an art car I don't know. We, I don't got a, we, car. we got a third choice. <laughs> <laughs> so the third choice, I think, is your favorite car. 
It's a BMW M1, but this one has a blown engine. So those are your three cars. One to keep, one to cash in, and one to crush. Oh, all right. So you're going to crush the art car now? Nope, I'm crushing the M1. You're crushing. Now, what if I said it didn't have a blown engine? Oh, because I can rebuild it. I can rebuild that car. All right. So uh, I, 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 I can rebuild that car. So I'm crushing that one. That made, you, made it oh, easy. Oh, I made it too easy. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm crushing that one. Um, the uh, the one I'm keeping and the one that uh, when I'm, you're cashing in, which one are you keeping? Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the B7 and I'm gonna cash in on the art car. All right. There are no art cars in public hands, um, with maybe one exception. Uh, BMW has all of those, and and uh, that's obviously a priceless uh, piece of, of history both in the art community and the automotive community and you know who's gonna you know not that i'd want to cash in for that reason but if, we, if we're playing the game right, uh, right i would rather take care of my family and my staff and know that we don't have to worry <laughs> as much anymore to uh, be able to continue to have the fun that we do every day around here i didn't make it hard enough on you darn it well you you, you kind of asked the wrong guy i did ask the wrong guy. <laughs> that's for sure okay <laughs> Well, thanks for your time today, man. What else would you like to share? Got any events coming up you're participating in? Obviously, you'll be at Amelia Island. Yeah, so come see us, Amelia. This is going to be a really great event. Uh, really excited about that. We'll be down there. So if you are, uh, reach out. Uh, Vintage is an event in May. Uh, all the 2002s, E9s, um, uh, E34s, E30s, E28s, E24s, all the cars we've talked about today, anything from the, the mid-90s and back, the 8 Series. We didn't talk about the 850 CSI, which we could maybe throw that in now, I suppose. Oh, we did. We just skipped one. Um, the 850 CSIs are welcome at the Vintage. Um, uh, that's a marvelous car. It's a flagship car. It's a poster 90s car. If you were anybody in the 90s, especially if you had a thing for pop-up headlights, uh, you had an 850, and if you were the, you know, if you were Prince or, or yeah. any pop star, you had an 850 CSI. I mean, they're a hundred and change thousand dollars in 1994, and uh, King Griffey Jr. had one. Well, I'm so glad you said that because first off, there's a a yellow one sitting up front. I've never seen a yellow one before. Tell us about that car. Yeah, that's a Eurospec 850 CSI that we just bought that also just arrived today. It's been <laughs> raining amazing cars at EAG this week. We're getting right. ready for spring. Spring fever's already hit, and Thankfully, we've uh, been restocking as, as fast as the opportunity allows because if we look at 10 cars, we sometimes don't buy any of them. Right. Uh, and usually the cars th that are offered to us uh, are the ones that we buy uh, as opposed to the ones that we're looking for. Um, uh, most of the best cars typically find us, and that was one of those cases. My uh, phone rang, and, and uh, uh, I got a good car, and, uh, of course, uh, a week later, here it is again. Right. Uh, but the 850 is a marvelous car. It's a great GT car. It drives well. It's awesome. It's a V12. It's the same engine block as a McLaren F1. Right. Uh, it has the double Vanos head that you'll find on the Eurospec E36 M3s. Um, uh, six speeds, the first six-speed V12 to come to the production uh, uh, market for any manufacturer. Uh, BMW spent over $900 million developing the 8-series platform, and the 850 CSI is the pinnacle of that exercise. Right. So driving that car, it's hard not to feel pretty special. Yeah, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but people are hesitant with that car for a while because of the you know yeah. maintaining oh, it oh yeah right? yeah actually so you gotta be really picky when you absolutely absolutely that right. car's i mean that's a very deep that's a very technical car and i i was the biggest and still am you know proponent that uh 850s are tough um yeah. you're gonna spend some money um it's rewarding and and you get the car right it's worth it but did you take one out the pebble last year i took uh, two years ago yeah was it white? Uh, yeah, white one. Yeah, okay. yeah. We won best of class at the Concours on uh, the Avenue with that car. Oh, nice. And uh, actually, the five thousand mile uh, Evo Two was in that class. Oh wow! Wow, uh, you beat your own car. I, <laughs> yeah. Don't sorry, bud. 
Sorry for both. <laughs> um, um, but uh, yeah, it had a lot of good provenance as well. And um, But driving that, we drove that car all the way around. That's actually, we did the podcast with Matt Fair on Smoking Tire. Oh, okay. Uh, awesome. As I drove that car to Matt's uh, uh, facility and um, uh, actually I tracked that car at Thermal too. Oh, wow. Just two laps. But, right, hey, right. I tracked yeah. it. Yeah. It counts. <laughs> but the 850 is an awesome car. So um, yeah, we do have a, a couple really cool 850s and this is a Euro spec car, which has uh, some trick stuff, uh, bigger uh, brakes, four wheel steering, bigger, uh, has an oil cooler, differential cooler, et cetera. But so back to the vintage, uh, which is a really cool event. Right. <laughs> if you're going to North Carolina, North Carolina, it's uh, May 17th through the 20th. Uh, that also coincides with the BMW Foundation's um, uh, open house and their new unveiling of their exhibit. Uh, they're just staging the cars right now for the next exhibit, the, the Passion exhibit just ended. That was their third, uh, the, the fourth one, um, which is um, Genesis. Genesis is going to be all of the early cars that started um, the brand and, and helped BMW get to you know, the, the base that they're at now, they're still a privately held company. Um, and, uh, it should be a really great exhibit and, uh, we'll be there the day it opens, um, with all the rest of the vintage guys, about six to 700 cars. Uh, you got to register early. So if you're thinking about doing it, don't wait. The registration does close out, okay. um, at the vintage.com. Uh, so good plug for those guys. Um, really excited to do that. Uh, we're going to have an EAG gathering at that event, so we're going to try to. We are going to get uh, all of the EAG guys. We've never done this before. Uh, we're going to see in every client that uh, has an EAG BMW. We'd love to have a little party for everybody. We're paying uh, beer and drinks and, and uh, food and all that stuff. We're going to do Sierra Nevada. I'm probably putting my foot in my mouth because we have nothing planned. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'd love to have everybody out, uh, <laughs> to have an EAG car corral and, and bring all the EAG uh, alumni together. Uh, would be a really cool exercise. So um, if you're interested, uh, definitely check it out at thevintage.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time today, Eric. Absolutely, Greg. Thanks for having us and uh, motor on. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.